Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. See that little bit of a little silence there is a bit of anticipation. Get that excitement going, because man, excitement's all we got today. Nothing but uh, excitement. Nothing but excitement. Steve, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty fantastic. I got to see Gilbert Godfrey live in person over the weekend, which is a personal dream come true. I've always felt that... Go- Gilbert was literally one of the greats of stand-up, a legend, a genius, and uh, someone that I had never seen live before. So the fact that I just randomly noticed he came to Pittsburgh last weekend, and I got to see him. Yeah, that's that's how it's worked out for me in the past with certain things. Like, y'all just, for some reason, not keep track of a band or something, then just like, oh, I should look it up. Oh, they're playing tomorrow? Well, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I would have been so yeah. mad if he came to Pittsburgh and then left, and I, would, and I wouldn't have known. Well, that's how I've been several times. Like, Tom Wilson comes by Peoria to the jukebox all the time, and I'll just miss it. And be like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Shit, what? Damn it. Uh, so that's... It'll happen all the time. That sucks. But it was a good show. Yeah. Real good show. Real funny. Uh, glad I went to see it. And then I went to Wizard World in Pittsburgh, which is the first good Pittsburgh Comic Con. And it's Woo. no longer run by a family of murderers. <laughs> so I'm pretty... That's helpful. Pretty pumped about being able to give uh, the Pittsburgh Comic Con money again. Because I stopped mm-hmm. doing that for a while because of who ran it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who aren't from Pittsburgh and have not heard me talk about the story, uh, the guy who started Pittsburgh Comic Con uh, shot his wife in the back of the head execution style, claimed that someone stealing from his store did it, his comic store did it, and then used the insurance money from her death to then start Pittsburgh Comic Con. It was a just cause. <laughs> right, you're right, a just cause. I mean, she just kept nagging. It just kept, wouldn't stop nagging. She just wouldn't stop screaming. So he finally got arrested and went into fucking super prison. And his second wife and daughter ran the show for years, but they didn't give a fuck about the show. They never tried to make the show good. They treated the vendors like shit. They treated customers like shit. It was just a shit show. And they kept getting smaller and smaller numbers every year, and they're like, I don't know what's happening. So finally... Wizard was showing up to Pittsburgh and pretty much said, look, hey, we're going to be showing up whether you leave or not, so uh, we're going to give you this buyout, and if you don't take this buyout, we're just going to run our show the same weekend as your show. Hey, everybody wound up with some money in their pocket. Yep. And the murder- and one dead wife. And one dead wife. <laughs> uh, but it was- Cha-ching, really. I mean, come on. But it was good. Uh, Jason David Frank was there. I did not talk to him. I don't blame you. So it was a good show. Sounds like a great show. But it was, it was good art, good vendors. First year, though, Wizard did not do enough to advertise it, and Pittsburgh Comic Con still has that reputation, so hopefully by, like, year two and three, the reputation has been shed, and Wizard puts a little bit more effort into, like, getting the news out there. Because they had some good That's, guests. Yeah, it sounded like you were talking about that. It sounded like there were some good guests. I mean, so that's cool. none that I care about, but... Well, I mean, <laughs> wizard, wizard cons are, are... I mean, I don't really call them Wizard Worlds anymore. I mean, do they still call it Wizard World? Or is this Wizard... Or is it's this Wizard World, like, yeah. Okay, because I know... Cause that, that's a title that doesn't really make any sense anymore, because Wizard isn't a magazine anymore. Nope. <laughs> and I it's, I have trouble supporting those cons, because it, a, lot, a lot of it's just a autograph fest, meet, meet and greet fest, and then... The people who run it, I I think the guy the guy who run Wizard, I think is still running the conventions, and that guy's a scumbag. Oh really? That sucks. God yeah, damn like when it. the magazine was when the magazine was fa- I mean, I might be incorrect on this, but it's been a couple of years, so it might not be the case anymore. But like when Toy Fair and Wizard and um, 
what was the card one? Uh, Pro Insider. Oh yeah, yeah. When, that, when those were all going belly up, he did this whole thing where he there were going to be a new magazine, and he charged, he put out this big subscription and thing, and people who paid for it, then he's like, oh, I'm not going to deliver your books, and he just kept the money anyways. Jesus Christ. And I think it was also part of it too, like the subscriptions that were remaining as well for Wizard and Toy Fair and Pro Insider. I think I, don't, I think that was still around by then. But I know Toy Fair and Wizard were obviously. Um, I think he yeah, he just pocketed all the money for those two. Yep. Can can conventions be run by good people? I would. I don't know. I'm still in the pool. I don't have any trouble with Comic Con, uh, San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, I mean, CCI, yeah. who run that uh, alternative press expo. Um, this one San Francisco, uh, WonderCon. I I don't feel like I have any problem with them. I've, I, I, I've heard nothing bad about that group, and also obviously a lot of the smaller cons. Of course, uh, we talked about those many times before, but many many times. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I guess in some ways you have to be kind of uh, a dick to run something to be a promoter to do that type of stuff because it's business. But at the same time, there's you can be that and not be like a hundred and ten percent dick you don't have to like murder people or <laughs> steal steal money from people or screw people over right like a lot of the conventions like i hear people complain about you know like horror hound or um i think it's a big one i think that's a one people kind of shit on for shitting on people for, for ripping people off i hear uh I've heard some weird stuff about uh, the guys that run Dragon Con. Apparently, the one guy like raped some kids or something. Yes, yes, uh, that, but that 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 was the case as well. Uh, I, I, I man, I got I remember reading about this too. So like, yeah, he was a pedophile, and um, but I think he was one of the original people that started running. I don't think he's affiliated with it anymore. I think yeah, he's not affiliated, but he still comes back every single year. Yeah, I th- but I think I think things have changed where he doesn't anymore. Like I think something happened where he like was expunged. Like he, he like it's a no 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 no. Like he went to like, he actually went to jail, finally or something like that, that along those lines. Hey, you know what? If if he went to jail and served his time, I have less of a problem with him. True, Com- but it might not. It might still not be the best. Uh, oh no, he sh- to- still should not go to a convention surrounded by children wearing skin tight outfits, showing off their soft, tender bodies. <laughs> Gotta watch out for those soft, tender bodies, because that'll land you in prison. <laughs> uh, but I, even then, it's still probably bad publicity. Bad. Yeah. You, know, you don't want it. You don't. You don't. You don't want your convention, no matter how. I mean, DragonCon's huge, but still, I mean, you don't want it to be associated with. No, absolutely. Past. Yeah. If uh, if Murder Pittsburgh uh, guy came out of prison and just showed up at the head panel of Pittsburgh Comic Con, mildly, mildly head panel. <laughs> how to kill your wife and get away with it. Hey, for a, I, for some I didn't time. murder my wife, but if I did, if, this is how I would have Here's done how it. I did it. The panel. Uh, well, speaking of horrible criminals, how's your how's your week, Bill? Uh, I am a horrible criminal. I did execution style uh, kill my wife. Uh, someone was trying to rob my comic book shop, and I wasn't having that. So you killed her. I killed her. <laughs> you ain't taking my wife, com- uh, thief. If I can't have her, no one can. You, can. you can take her body, but her soul is mine. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, the week's fine. I, it's just one week of really doing nothing. Uh, playing Metal Gear Solid Five, which we've been talking about on, at nauseum. I made it to Mission 30. I'm at, I think I did 21. I, I went to a building that had bodies, and it was it was crazy. Oh, yeah, that, that building was terrifying. Did you fight the boss after that building? Yes. Did you win already, or...? No, I, I didn't care. I just blew up a couple water towers and then flew out. Oh, you just left? Okay. I Fulton'd him. 
Did you know? If you water him, the kid shows up, and if you shoot the kid enough, he just leaves, and the guy just lays there dead. And then I attached a Fulton balloon to him, and he flew away, and it was hilarious. Did you get anything from it? Or? No. story For story reasons, like, after a couple of minutes, uh, Miller says, Oh, he cut the ropes. That's probably for the best. But it was fun just because of Miller freaking the fuck out once you Fulton him. He's just like, Jesus, you're fucking sending him here? Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Well, it's pretty easy. You just tell the airplane that's picking it up not to deliver it to Mother Base. I guess that's impossible. It's impossible to figure this shit out. No, I just kept shooting him in the face of a water gun. I mean, that's fantastic. I was like, aha. I was walking, I was going in there, I'm like, there's a lot of water things around. I think I know where this is going. So I, full, I airdropped in a water pistol and I just kept blasting him in the face with it. It didn't really quite work as well as I thought it would. Uh, so I just kept blowing up water towers. <laughs> Taste the H2O, bitch. Uh, but besides that, no, I've just been doing that. Um, usual wrestling stuff. Uh, there's a podcast on the Fight Network in Canada uh, that John Pollock and Wei Ting, who are two guys who run, they review away, uh, like the guy's name, every Wednesday. And this is their sixth anniversary show, so they did a three-hour commentary track for the WCW pay-per-view New Blood Rising. Okay. Which was very, which was very bad, but it was fun to watch with their commentary over it. Well, so long as it's fun to watch, that's what matters. Well, it was a two. It was a year. It was like a year two thousand WCW pay per view. So it was like near their like closing, and it's just cheap and not well booked. I think like one. There was a three way match between uh, um, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Goldberg, and the like. The apparently the angle for the match was that this is real. Like apparently, like Vince Russo is the writer for this show, and he doesn't like one of these guys, and it's like. They're trying to... Like, everything else in this show is fake, but this match is real. This is a real match. Like, that's, that's their weird. actual promotion for this match at this paper. Nothing else matters, seriously. That's all a fake story. Everything else has been fake. This is a shoot. Like, what? <laughs> why, are you, why are you marketing your product like this? <laughs> hey, WCW is a piece of dog shit, but not this match. And then there was, like, uh, a, like a mom on a forklift match. Like, Buff Bagwell's mom is apparently trapped on a forklift, and he has to fight someone to get her down. That, that's a match. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was It was just a, it was a nightmare to watch. It was hilarious, because, like, this is just terrible, but it was, it was great also with the commentary, so. Shout out to John Pollock and Wei Ting from the, from the, the Fight Network. They're, uh, they do podcasts and stuff about wrestling. Good shit. Props to them. Other than that, uh, same old shit. What can I say... That's just how it goes. Woo! Woo! Uh, but, uh, okay, well, I'm going to cut the chase here. There's no news this week. Nothing yeah. going on. Yeah, there's like a it. couple things, you know, fucking Pacific Rim 2, delayed indefinitely. That shit. That's shitty news. All right, let's move on. Uh, hey, shocker. The movie doesn't make enough money. Studios don't want to necessarily risk making, making, uh, taking a loss. Uh, apparently it's more so because um, uh, Legendary had to foot the entire bill for the horror movie that Del Toro is releasing. And, oh, and, Peaks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the uh, studio that's releasing it was going to go halfway if he released a PG thirteen, and Del Toro didn't let that shit happen. So they had to. F- well, rightfully so. Yeah, so they had to f- fit the whole bill. So what I'm hearing is, if Crimson Peaks does well, then uh, Pacific Rim two is back on. You know what I mean? Yeah, which I'm sure it will. He, I don't. His horror films aren't ever expensive. Uh, Jeepers Creepers three is coming out. Speaking of pedophiles. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, I don't really like the, any of the director's movies for the most part. Uh, there's a couple good ones, and he's a pedophile, and his movies are creepy because of that. But you know what? Unlike Roman Polanski, he served his time. I'll give him a chance. I, I actually really like Jeepers Creepers and Jeepers Creepers too. I liked the first one a lot, and I didn't hate the second one. I, just... I, I like the second one because it became just a like straight-up monster movie. Like there's these kids. Uh, they don't even they don't even try to have any semblance of making you care for them. It's just like here's some kids, here's a monster. Let <laughs> me clarify. Kill them. I don't dislike Jeepers Creepers too. Just I wasn't into it. Yeah, it was. It, I it was. It was one of the And then uh, what? I forget the actor's name. Um, I love him just hunting down, hunting him down. Oh, he was great. Yeah, absolutely. Just a uh, crazy farmer with a harpoon gun. Yeah, I, I hate when I can't remember names, but it, yeah, whatever. So yeah. Uh, so I don't news this week. If you don't like it, I don't. I don't care. I had to watch these fucking movies. And we're gonna talk about <laughs> this. These are some of Bill's favorite movies. One of them is amazing. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah the, the fourth one. Yeah. No, Steve. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna drive to your house and murder you. Oh, I'll just come right back because the power. I'm gonna murder of you love. on your wedding night. That way, your fiance can come back to life, all goth-like. Oh, she'd be fucking hot. Goth. And kill me. Well, you and all and your whole gang. My whole gang, which I already killed my wife, so I mean See, you can't kill her. I feel like if I came back to life, uh, my cat would be my animal instead of a crow, and I would just be really lazy all the time. Your cat would be your animal. That means nothing would get done. <laughs> nothing would get done. So, hey, we're talking about The Crow this week. All of them. Except for the TV series. <laughs> not the TV series. No TV series talk, because there's no need for We that. were not going to sit down and watch 22 episodes of a retelling of the first movie, except made-for-TV quality. Woo! Woo! Made-for-TV quality is the best quality. That's kind of how these films start going. That's how they go real quick. Real fast. So let's just jump uh, into it. Let's get into it. Uh, with the... 1994. Huge, hugely popular The Crow from 1994, directed by Alex Proyas. A man brutally murdered comes back to life as an undead avenger of his and his fiancée's murder. Okay. Very succinct, very to the point. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, IMDb. <laughs> uh, the Crow, a comic book film uh, for many for people... It is, yeah. ...who might not keep track of all these things that are not superheroes... Um, where does he where do you give the crow I mean obviously let's get the the, the uh, elephant in the room uh, this is uh, stars Brandon Lee it's this probably last... the best film he was ever in I I don't I, I agree I totally agree and it makes it even that uh, much more sad that he died in this because I think he would have had a phenomenal legendary career of uh, filmmaking after this film I completely agree because this was a uh, good, good job, a great job. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to try to be like Heath Ledger here with people and just be like because he died, we elevate this performance to a new level. But I, I want to be honest and say that he was amazing in this. He was able to go from the harsh killer to um, a tortured soul, a victim. Tortured soul, go, right? Go, go, go human. Like, that's what I say, like the human side to the, like, the revenge side. He was able to flip for those so well, and you can feel for the character very well. And it, it's just a standout performance right there for him. It's it's really sucks that he died from an accident on set. A stupid accident that should have never happened. Well, because of this, uh, for those who don't know, a that uh, he died of a uh, accident of a prop gun. Uh, that was not properly uh, taken care of. Like it was apparently, like, apparently shot, but not like a piece of whatever it was. 
being fired from it was lodged in it and then was fired again that projectile mm-hmm. killed him it hit him in the, like, the chest and killed him so but from this there was a huge reform on prop prop gun safety and stuff and they make sure that never happened again um it just sadly took the life of somebody and and and, and for those you know, i mean we'll go into this film a bit more here now when it came this happened they had actually filmed majority of the film so through a couple stand-ins and like through some you know pretty uh I, at the time, groundbreaking uh, special uh, uh, composite technology stuff. They were able to kind of work around him around the couple of little bits that they hadn't finished quite yet. Yeah, I think the biggest scene that they had to shoot without Brandon was the scene when he like first comes back to his apartment post mortem. Yeah, I think a, a good amount of that had to be kind of worked with. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it looks great. And, yeah, I don't uh, know who that double was, but he did a really fucking good job of that. Well, scene. It was just one of their stunt doubles, and then just they were just using a lot, like I said, composite technology, just kind of. Yeah, whenever lightning showed put, his face. Yeah, exactly, and it looks good, and it's that you have to remember for the time period that was cutting edge. They had to do a lot of work on this film to get it done, which is good they did. It's, it's sad when someone dies in production, but in this case, they the show able must to go actually, on. They're actually able to finish the film. Thankfully, it wasn't like a case where they only got like halfway through or something, and it's like, well, shit. <laughs> what are we gonna do? And this was before. And this was before they decided to have Heath Ledger be played by three other dudes. Yeah, the, the um, which is a great way to just do that movie because fuck it. Well, apparently, from my understanding, that movie it works in a way. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah, it completely so, works. So, thankfully, in that case, it worked. It wasn't like something. It's like I still have yet to. I actually sat down and make myself watch Wagons East because that's John Candy's last movie. That was the movie he was filming when he died. Um, I've never got a chance to see how well they work around that. Oh uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I've never seen that either. Because that was that was in production. That was like like one of those films where like, it was not quite done. <laughs> Like, I think about maybe 60 or 70% done. So, yeah, I, I was always interested to check it out to see how they worked around his, his untimely death. Um, but we're talking about The Crow. Yes. Uh, John Candy said he did not come back to life as a, as a <laughs> golf man. Uh, and Chris Farley can also come back to take vengeance against his drug dealers. Yeah, or, or, or anybody else. Fat guy in a goth coat. The Crow, I guess we can start getting into it, is an urban fantasy film. And also a comic book film, but not a superhero film. Don't call it a fucking superhero it's film. It's not a superhero film. It, was it a, got that label in the 90s, because at the time, if it was a comic book film, it's a it was a superhero film. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, The Crow, the comic, is not a superhero comic at all. It's a very dark noir comic that was written by James O'Barr when he uh, lost his fiancée to cancer. And the story, uh, which was... Was it cancer? I heard it was a car accident. Oh, uh, you're right, car drunk, She was hit by a drunk driver. Was, you're absolutely right. I don't know why my brain went to cancer. She was hit by a drunk driver. Yeah, so his way was his, the comic was his way of coping with it, yes. in which you can totally see that it makes sense here. So, uh, the film opens on Halloween Eve, October thirtieth, Devil's Night, Devil's Night in Detroit. Hey, fire it up! <laughs> fire it up! Fire it I up! I do that to this day whenever I'm about to take when after I take a shot with a group of guys. There you go. <laughs> after you swallow bullets, uh, I don't do that part. <laughs> you don't do that part. Whoa, it's hoity-toity over here, Mr. Fuck. <laughs> uh, the film opens on a crime scene. We find out Brandon Lee's character, Eric Draven, and his... Um, uh, fiance. His, uh, fiance. I'm trying to remember her name here. S- Shelly. Shelly, yeah. Uh, were murdered. I always and accidentally then... called Shelly Sarah and Sarah Shelly, and I don't know why. Yeah, that's, that's why I was having trouble. <laughs> Sarah's a little girl. Uh, Shelly. Uh, they get murdered. Uh, we meet Ernie Hudson. Yeah, because who are you going to call this movie about ghosts? Sergeant Albrecht, um, who is, let's cut, cut to the point right now, Ernie Hudson's amazing in this, because it's Ernie Hudson, he's charming as, as shit all the time. Ernie Hudson is a fantastic actor, and I'm always, like, disappointed that he hasn't done more. 
He's just done a lot. He's just yeah. a director. Yeah. He just does he's just in movies. He just does bit, you know parts. He's, you know, I guess I'm ju- I guess I just said he's not. He doesn't have bigger roles. He's not. He never got like quite to like leading man status, right? Which is too bad because he's great. And to me, I, he is my favorite part of this film. I think Ernie Hudson is fantastic. All, Fair enough. All of his reactions and dialogue—it's all so natural. And Ernie's charming as fuck, like you said. So uh, we cut to a year later, and then uh, Eric rises from the grave as the crow, the titular character. Basically, if someone dies and like this. I think what's the what's the kind of thing here? If you die when like in love with somebody, you might you'll come back to like avenge their death. If uh, like you die, and you're so restless because of how you died. The uh, crow yes. will bring you back to get revenge for who uh, there wronged you. Go. you. That yeah. sums up there. Basically, he dies with such rage in his heart that the rage is what brings him back to life. And then it, the film is basically a struggle with Eric struggling with his human side and his uh, side that just thirsts for revenge, like the rage that is inside of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's basically the story from this. So the story from there is basically uh, him tr- tracking down these gang members who are responsible for that, to taking a, taking revenge on them, and that's kind of the, the the plot of the film. And it's just dealing with. It's less. The, I think it's also important to note that it all this film, but also to a degree the other ones, they feel less of a like the revenge films compared to like other films that would have similar plots that would I would consider more straight up revenge films. Like, he's getting revenge, but it's more about his loss and what's happened to him and the victims than just the killing. Oh, that's debatable. A lot of revenge films are about the same way. It's just this just goes about it in a different way. Maybe that. Maybe I'm just saying it wrong. I don't know. It just feels so different from other films that I feel that have s- similar plots in this. Well, that's because it's a good film that's well-written and well-produced, well-made. <laughs> a lot of other revenge films, especially like rape revenge films, are not meant necessarily made well made enough like you know they're not like five star quality films they're kind of schlock exploitation that could be it it could be as simple as that yeah and the film changes up too because it tricks the audience a lot of ways by making the villains very personable and charming like the gang members you meet them like they're this like rowdy bunch of just dudes that have the like are very they have these personality traits like immediately you're like if this is any other film these would be the heroes Mm -hmm. it's like look at these guys yeah they're drinking they're funny guys they have these good comedic moments like immediately the film's drawing you in to make this guy's kind of retarded this guy's got knives yeah it's like yeah look at these guys ah there is a ragtag bunch and it's it's tricking the audience into caring with these guys which is good because then it makes you care for their for their demise and such it creates impact for you and a lot of films don't do that a lot of films just immediately want to make everyone look despicable like uh i spit on your grave if we're talking like revenge type films right 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 where everyone is just despicable assholes. Um, and even, like, the most despicable asshole villain of the film, the uh, head villain, is, uh... Michael Wincott? Or, I mean, I mean like, the leader of, like, the, the whole gang organization? Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, Michael Wincott's okay. character. I, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Top Dollar. I would have never fucking remembered that. <laughs> uh, they don't really say it a whole lot okay. in the films, so I don't blame uh, you. But, yeah, uh, Top Dollar, like, he is the most wicked, despicable human being probably in the film. But he's still, like, super handsome and charming. Oh, yeah. Like... Totally charming. And he has all these, like, quiet moments of, like, contemplation. And he's, like, he like when you first see him, he's holding the snow globe, talking about, like, oh, my, uh, my father gave me this when I five. He said to me, you know, you're not, you know, you're, you're not a child anymore when you start worrying about death. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, I think that's how it goes. And it's, like, all these, like, small moments. Like, oh, this guy's neat. And then you look over and there's, like, a dead woman in his bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, so it's, it's the, film, the film in that regard is great. Well, those, like, just 
tricking the audience into caring about, like having these moments of there's like, layers, oh, oh. L- yeah, layers. And then on top of that, this is something that the later films lack severely is the struggle with Eric Draven. How you have these moments where he want like it's clear the thirst for rage and revenge is wants to take over his being, but he's struggling to also like remain like, well, am I human still? What am I? Because to him, it's just this huge dilemma. And so as even as he, that's why it's these um, interesting parallels between his humanity and like how brutally he murders people, mm-hmm. between like stabbing uh, uh, um, uh, Tintin and, and all that stuff, or blowing up. Um, I think T-Bird. Yeah, T-Bird gets blown up. Yeah, yeah. And all stuff. And like and then stabbing um, Fun Boy with all the morphine needles. You know, like all these situations where it's like, this is just gruesome. Well, I don't think that's so much like something that the other films are missing. And uh, don't get me wrong, those films really go to shit. I just think it's the case of different, they're different people. And this is something that Eric doesn't embrace as much as some of the other characters in the later series would. Well, I mean, as we get into other films, I mean, I can say it right now. I just feel like those films don't get the point well enough. Like this film is making it, trying to make it very clear that this is a struggle. The other films, I think, are just doing it because this film did it, but don't understand why they're doing yeah, it. Yeah, and I can get that. That that's why that's my point on that part. Uh, so I, I mean, we're going, we're talking really heavy about like the story and stuff. Like, well, let's get into bits and pieces. What what do you like most about the film, Steve? Oh, uh, the mo- like I said, the most uh, Ernie Hudson is top tier in this. I think this is one of Ernie Hudson's best roles in his film career at least. Uh he's just I like him so much. And because just a, he's an everyday cop. You know, he used to be a detective and he can't be anymore cuz he's not a dickwad. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying to do a good thing. He's trying to just be a good person in a shit city. Yeah. Uh I, I agree. I really enjoy just the uh, camaraderie of the gang. I will say that uh, personally, I don't really give a, I don't care about these characters at all. I did not connect with them. I don't think they're interesting. But their friendship felt very real, mm-hmm. and I liked that. I, I got, I could get the idea that these are bad guys, but not necessarily evil guys. But because they're so tight with together, once something starts, they all go along with it. Just like when a uh, skank kept blaming fu- uh, Fun Boy. It's fucking fun boy's fault. He went. He took this shit too far, even though he was part of it. But I also believed him at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole Devil's Night Halloween aspect was fun and simple, uh, and a lot of the uh, solo stuff with Eric Draven. A lot of his solo contemplation, I thought I liked a lot. I did as well. Um, for sure. Anything else specific that I liked? A lot of the dialogue I dug, too. I thought the dialogue was really well written in the film. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Like, sure. whether it's an interaction between Eric Draven and someone he's about to kill, or uh, Top Dollar talking about, you know, his family with his sister. Um, mm. Weird Eye Bitch, part one. Uh, yeah, I don't... I just, I just, there I are two exclusives. It. There are two constants. There are three constants in the series. One constant. Someone comes back to life with a crow and paints his face for fucking some reason. Except, oh, actually, not to paint the face, because the three actually does ignore that part. Uh, yes. Two. It's just very convenient face. I, I, hey, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That, like I said, I that part I defended, even if it was super yeah. convenient. <laughs> I'm just glad they did something different. Uh, two. Weird sex club. Three, it was a weird sex club. Three, sidekick female to the villain that has something to do with eyes. Now, I will say 
this and City of Angels are the only ones I felt were appropriate. Uh, yeah. Like, it made sense. They established it. The other other two just came out of fucking nowhere. Like, why is this happening? Well, especially here in the first one. Like, it just happens. Like, it's not it's not a precedent. It's just a character take. And then the later yeah, films... Yeah, it's fine in this film. It's fine in this film. <laughs> but when you keep doing the other films for no reason, that's when it becomes a problem. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say those are probably uh, some of the bits that I really like. Uh, and, the, as I said, uh, fire it up, I always say. And sometimes I whip out a shit on me. Shit on me! <laughs> shit on me! Uh, what about you? Uh, that's weird. I mean, we've covered a lot of stuff. Like I said, I love Brandon Lee in this. He's my favorite actor portrayed this, I don't know, this title of The Crow in all four films. I I find this, the story of him, Eric Draven to be most compelling. Um, Ernie Hudson obviously rocks. Michael Wincott is always amazing. I love him in everything he's in. Everything I've seen him in, I suppose. Supposedly. Not necessarily saying I'm on top of everyone's filmography. Of the way it's shot, it looks great. It's always wet and rainy. And I love the uh, model city work they used for, like, the kind of moving across the cityscape. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the best it looks in all three, all, uh, all four films. Oh, absolutely, not, yeah. Not necessarily saying all four films use it, but this is the best in all of them. The, all of of the four films, this is by far the best looking. Yeah, and I... Uh, oh, and I wanted In to which I feel um, only two could potentially be in competition. It's true. Uh, now, one thing I wanted... I did want to note, like, this... When it comes to Draven seeking revenge... It, I, this is something I feel like it's weird in the other films. Um, and now we know, my, obviously, Brandon Lee knows martial arts and all this action stuff. Yeah, that's fine. But this film, he doesn't actually do a lot of that. It's like when it comes to his, his fighting with people, it's like there's brawls. Like it's pure like hatred and pure rage just taking over, and he's beating the shit out of people. Yeah. And I like that. I like that a lot. I like how it doesn't try to be all super stylish, cool. Like why are some some of the films later get some cool wire work going on and all this weird crazy kung fu bullshit well, and i don't know if they misunderstood what was happening in these fight scenes in this film or well part of that is also uh brandon always wanted to kind of avoid just being seen as bruce lee's son so yeah, for what was fine. so it... for what was supposed to be like his first big debut film he didn't want it like the, I, I remember reading about how the fights were supposed to be more martial arty uh, especially because he was also a great martial artist at the time but yeah. he didn't want that like right out of the gates which i totally understand and you're and i think it's better that it, i think it's better that i agree way. yeah so I mean, it works. It works in this. I just feel like I th- even I, then. I, 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 th- this re- I think the film that b- like breaks that horrible rule the worst is the fourth film anyway, because there's not too mm-hmm. much of that in the third film, and in the second film, it's only the only thing that really sticks out to me is when Twee Trang pushed for the fight scene. Yeah. So we'll get to that. Yeah. I know this 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 review for the Crow. It's because this like, is a whole franchise that yeah, we're talking about. I know about. this this might seem like we're picking on other films, but these like things that happen in this are just direct a, correlations. Direct correlations with other films and how they just I just either didn't get it or thought they got it when they didn't get it <laughs> <laughs> or just didn't care. I was going for something else. Um, what else do I like? Uh, I think I mean I, obviously I can think we hit a lot of the major bits. Now when it comes to negatives, um, I think my biggest negative is Sarah. Yeah, I don't give a shit about Sarah. It's just because like I feel in the film she's not really a character, just a character that uh, no, it's not not like a person just a thing that happens to people she almost feels like a living mcguffin a little bit and it's fine because at the end of the by the end of the film her and ernie hudson's character are kind of like um draven's connection to humanity yes like they're always there like is like to try to pull him back in and those things pay off like obviously his talking to, to hudson and all this stuff that leads him to helping coming help save him at the end of the film 
and also Sarah just helps him have this like major connection to humanity like giving the ring to her talking to her all these little bits and pieces it's just like there's some bits like, I think my biggest negative is the whole stuff of her mom yeah that's the only thing I really I could do without it's not that it's terrible it just doesn't work it, it just kind of just feels, feels uh, ham fisted in yeah exactly um but now that that would be my major thing. Otherwise, uh, the, the film works for me. It's a great urban fantasy. It's a great gripping story about. I think we we talk about this a lot in film in our discussions, like humanity, like what it means to be human, what it means to not let the thirst for revenge like fully take you over and ruin you. Like try to keep this connection to who you once were and all that stuff. I really like the the story. I like everything. It's well shot, well well written. Everything else works for me. So. Uh, were there any negatives? You because I know you said this wasn't this necessarily your favorite. Yeah, uh, uh, objectively speaking, it's probably the best of the the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, like objectively speaking, but on a personal level, I just it just never like I like it, but I I think it just comes down to I don't care that much about the characters and like I see what you're saying because I can see that I I just objectively totally yeah I I just don't like those characters like I like even in the uh, the lesser films objectively speaking coming up i prefer the villains in like say two or oh my hey uh, I, I, they're insane I'm, I'm not saying that i like them better for the right reasons but they were mm-hmm. more memorable for me you know what i mean that's just all i'm saying oh uh, one more thing before we move on uh, i wanted to say my favorite actually one of my favorite things about this is how to the villains in this film uh they don't they couldn't give a shit about who eric draven was because well, it's a year later yeah I, exactly i really <laughs> like that it's not like Something that happens in the other films, it's like a day later, like a lot of people keep talking about it. It's like, like it yeah, in the second matter. film, when they recognize Ash, I fucking get it because it was literally like the next fucking day. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate this film, though, because like a lot of revenge films maybe go immediately right into it. Like, again, the, the film's later in this in this, in this this franchise. But this film, I like how it's a year later. These guys are such pieces of shit, they don't even remember Eric Drake. They don't remember, they don't care. They don't care. It's like, um,. Like when it comes to top dollar, he doesn't even give a shit. Only T Bird <laughs> remembers, and, hit, yeah, and T Bird has the best death in the film. He does. I I, I no love back. that. I love because this is something I felt was kind of missing in the other films. Either a people recognizing the person that they just killed, even and I like that he he actually is the only person in the series to actually to bring it up. Like, wait, you can't be you can't be you. We killed you. It's it, that's also a good parallel. It's like well, you can't be. You can also bring it out like, oh, is is he actually Eric? Is he this new being? It's it, you can also go another layer there, and that of course, yeah, absolutely. If you want to get heady about it, but I love that. I love that. Like, I appreciate that so much because the other three films I feel are greatly lacking, and someone actually coming to terms with the fact that he's alive and I, shouldn't be. I completely agree with that. I will one hundred percent agree with you on that. That scene so. is a great fucking scene, and probably one of the best scenes in the franchise. Just yeah, T Bird's whole it's fucking really scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, there's and no helicopter chase them through the alleys. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> um, so star so, ratings. Star ratings. Uh, four and a half out of five. I give the first crow a three. Fair enough. Uh, good, good film. Obje- objectively great. Just did not jive with me. But I know I'm in a super minority, and I will never argue with anyone that I'm right or that it's not the best film because it is. I just didn't like it as much. No, it's fine. I, I have no problem with people defending their stance. I hate when people just give it, ah, it's the three. Why? Eh. Nah. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so, so let's, moving on. Let's grow up 20 years and then move to Los Angeles. <laughs> where everything is yellow all the time. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, the Crow, City of Angels, 1996, directed by Tim Pope. 
Many years after the first film, the spirit of the crow resurrects another man seeking revenge for the murder of his son. Uh, let, I'm a okay. Uh, disclaimer right now: when we are shitting on this movie, we are fully understanding that this film was cut to shit by Harvey Weinstein yes. and the studio. So we, when we shit on this, we are shitting on what the delivered product was. I if if Shout Factor ever gets their hands on like they did with the um, Halloween Resurrection of Michael Myers producer cut. If they ever get on their hands on the original, like, two-and-a-half-hour cut of City of Angels and we can reevaluate it, I'd be totally fine with that. And I will judge that movie on its own merits, but we have to judge what we were given. <laughs> Which, what we were given, uh, I guess I'll just cut to the... I mean, most people know it's not good. <laughs> um, and I think that's generally. what makes me so mad about this film, is that even, like, when I was a kid, I would watch it and I could see... That, like, there was a good movie, a really great movie, somewhere in there. And it felt like pieces were just, like, chopped out or missing. It didn't feel right. And then, you know, years later I found out, like, about what the original ending was supposed to be, what all the cutout scenes were, like, what the plot originally was supposed to be, and how Harvey fucking Scissorhands just yeah. destroyed the film. And, like, watching with, like, if this movie was released with all the original stuff, to me, bar none, this one would be the best of the franchise. And it wouldn't have continued to go to shit after this film. Yeah, I don't... Because I, I, I like a person... I'd have to see it. I, I mean, no, I agree. Like, obviously, that's an assumption. But just the story concepts and the themes that they wanted to portray and what they wanted mm -hmm. to explore originally with the film sounds super interesting and definitely far better than what we got. Yes. So, The Crow, City of Angels. Uh, I think the summary there got most of it. Basically, uh, um, Judah Earl... No, that's... Uh, no, that, that's the main villain. Sorry, sorry. Ash, Ash Corbin. Uh, basically, uh, his son stumble upon a gang violence murder situation. So they are murdered. And then, obviously, the same type of situation. The crow brings Ash Corbin back to life to seek revenge. But also uh, hooks up with Sarah. To... Sarah from the first film has moved to Los Angeles in this film. And she's played by Mia Kirshner, who I don't can't necessarily say i'm super familiar with her work but i do not like her because of this movie <laughs> she has a 20 mile stare like all the time yeah like it, the 20 mile stare worked for like three shots but she always has it so it lost any purpose <laughs> yeah it was uh, a mess for me i'm sure she's i i'm gonna I'll, I'll be honest i'm sure she's a fine actress or whatever but like this the uh, the role in this film oh boy oh boy didn't like not like quite like her acting uh I know we're jumping right into negatives, I'm sorry, but um, I guess the general story is like pretty simple in this time around. Like, before what we presented, I'm, I'm not going to try and get into all the backstory of what the film was supposed to be, but the story prevent, presented is this... Because uh, because the studio wanted The Crow, they wanted this film to not be different, because the original film... Damn it, we're going all over the place. <laughs> the original film was supposed to be like a complete departure from the first film, because because it was the... Because the, the Crow made a ton of money at the box office, and the studio wanted that. They wanted to make more money, sure. So Tim Pope and um, James O'Barr, the person who wrote the original comic, worked together to try to like tell a new story, not just have it be like another, like, Eric Draven comes back. No, it's just, it's a new guy that did some of the Crow. And, like, they had all these good ideas, wanted to do this stuff. And then when they the studio got the film, it's like, nope, this isn't what we wanted. We want the Crow. So let's Yeah, we don't care about this guy hour. falling in love and debating on whether or not to stay or to complete his revenge. We just want him to kill people. Yeah, so they, they chopped the film up, reshot tons of footage, made it into what it is. 
Which is basically the crow. Oh, they killed me and my son. Now it's time to take revenge. And then there's... The villain is just perplexing to me. Like, I... What... This guy does not... What movie is this guy from? <laughs> yeah, the main villain of this film, I think, is dog shit. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I like the rest of the crew, personally. And again, not necessarily for all the right reasons. Uh, but when it comes to Judah... What the fuck is his existence? But yeah, he's played by Richard Brooks. His, uh, he's his just... voice is fantastic. Yeah, he, but he, that, that voice just doesn't fit doesn't fit at all. Sounds like he should be some like middle management guy working at an office building. Like, hey, we need you to come in on the weekend and work on these files. <laughs> it's like a lumber. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Hey, uh, Ash. Um, yeah, uh, we're gonna need to take your take your crow from you um yeah if you can just go yeah. ahead and get that that'd be great i mean you could get that from me here thanks thanks that'd be great thanks Bye. yeah definitely a massive downgrade from top dollar top dollar Woo! if i'm gonna make bold predictions of my 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 opinion but top dollar uh best like lead villain character in the franchise uh let me give you a little impersonation of top dollar uh caw caw bang fuck i'm dead yeah yeah <laughs> top dollar so good um where to start, I guess? Okay, so Sarah lives in Los Angeles now. Apparently, her mother abandoned her anyway. That's, like, the canon story. All of that in the first film is pointless now. Thanks, sequel. Yeah, um... I got... My notes for this movie are a mess, because this movie's just not very good. It, the movie looks like piss, literally, because everything... The, like, the main lead, like, t- color tone of the film is, like, yellow. Mm-hmm. Lots of yellows and oranges, but a lot of times it's like piss on screen. Um, there's a lot of smoke everywhere. See, I like, and here's where one of the things we're going to disagree on. Now, I agree with you on the yellow. This film looks like piss, and I don't like that. But otherwise, I liked the style of this world. I liked the fact that it was like just fucking smoke and fog fucking everywhere. I liked the fact that it was broken glass on like every fucking square inch of the fucking street. I, I thought it, I thought aside from the fact that it was yellow, I thought visually I I really dug the film a lot. If it was not fucking yellow, I think it would have been a really fantastic style that they would have went for. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this comes from the reshoot stuff, but I, I mean the, the the problem with me the smoke and stuff is sometimes this looks looks, looks cheap. Okay. Like there's a lot of times, like especially the tattoo parlor, it looks like a set, and I'm pretty sure they reused the same footage of guys like knocking down a piece of sheet metal. Because they're doing it, and like, they do the establishing shot of the tattoo bar, then later there's an outside shot, and it's them at the corner doing the same thing I again. I think you're right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and that I think that is uh, the first example of the Crow franchise continuously reusing shots. Including oh, yeah. from previous films. Yep. Uh, so, Sarah apparently keeps having visions. She's doing this painting, which basically predicts the ending of the film. And... She, like, like predicting this guy coming back. She goes to the docks. You see Ash coming, burst out of the water, back to life. Oh, ah, Jesus. I'm alive. I am Jesus. I can fly. Not, except not in this film. Um, <laughs> and then, like, when he wakes up and comes to you, like, there's this weird face painting scene. And, it like, everything in this movie just felt like Sarah just really wanted to fuck Eric, but she didn't get the chance to. Well, I thought that was a good one. Now she has this new crow that she can, like, cosplay and dress yeah, yeah. as, 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 as I'm going to dress you like Eric Senpai. That's how it was. It's like, her face is pain in the face. It's like, 
now you're my Eric. Dragon. That's exactly. I mean, that's exactly what I said to you. Uh, like when Bill, Bill gave me live updates as he was watching all these films, because I was so excited to hear all of his thoughts. I was so mad I couldn't be in the room with him watching them. And as soon as he said, "Why the fuck is she painting his face?" My reply was, "Because Eric Senpai painted his face." Eric Senpai, <laughs> notice me, Senpai. Notice me. <laughs> it's like that was that's like the first time in like this like as we get in these films. They're trying to be the crow, and they're doing things. It's like, this is that first instance of, well, we gotta make them look like Eric Draven. But well, how why? How do you do that? Uh, and I, this is And why. I don't know this how the how. comics explain it, because there's a shit ton of comics, and they all also have the makeup. So I don't know if, like, those explanations know. are better or worse. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, continuing. Well, moving on. Getting the points, like we do in our, when we review bad movies. Uh... Thomas Jane is jerking off. Fantastic. I love Thomas Jane in the film. Yeah, I saw him. Yeah, it's Thomas Jane before he really got known. Um, Spider Monkey's weird. He's okay, a filmmaker. So, I mean, He's a filmmaker, so I respect him a lot. He is. Iggy Pop is one of the villains in this film, and he's probably my favorite thing about I love movie. him so much in this. He plays Curve. He's so good. I love. Now, here's what gets me um, he has a tattoo on his chest supposed to be two demons fighting and then it's just uh apparently then it becomes you have a bird on your chest it's like uh okay (laughs) that means you that means the person who did this tattoo knows where he is well that's a pretty big leap of logic it could just be someone not like what if it's just that dude they killed (laughs) the guy who ran the tattoo shop then that'd be it that'd be like well that was a dead end (laughs) fuck we fucked that up fuck that up yeah that's a leap but as, as i did say to you i will say that is a leap, but also in the world where there is a crow everywhere, Ash takes a shit. Uh, maybe it makes sense. <laughs> and it's fine. It's it's interesting. In this universe, the other other kind of rules are being applied, but then there's just like leaps of logic. I'm just I'm just, I'm just like pointing out stuff. Where it's like, wow, that's a big leap of logic there. Like, why why do you think that, uh, Judah? <laughs> Judah, he looks like he's missing. He looks like Judah should be in like a film about Odysseus or something, like ancient. Like lore myth films, he has a blind seer and everything. Like, what are you doing in this film? <laughs> are you, why are you in future Los Angeles? Clearly, uh, Iggy Pop has my favorite line in the film. Fuck you, bird dick. Oh, the, yeah, that's my PS. <laughs> um, there's a Day of the Dead thrash party happening. Apparently, a super thrash party. Who knows why? The soundtrack of this film is bad. Like, all the rest of the films in the series is weird. Uh, I didn't super hate the soundtrack in this one. It's definitely a downgrade from the first, but I didn't hate it. There's times where it was good and times where it wasn't. Uh, um, yeah, it was. I, got, I think probably the third film is when it got <laughs> third film is when, Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck, that music. Oh, let's just play Living Dead Girl. But why? Living Dead Girl. <laughs> but why? Well, because there's a helicopter. Helicopter. So, uh... <sighs> I mean, we're jumping all over the place. With we're this really video, jumping all over the place. It's kind of a okay, jumbled. so what did you like about the film? Let's, let's I try to be concise. Pop. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh. I yeah. I will say. I feel like uh, Vincent Perez's Ash Corbin could. Uh, this film is such a mess with me because I feel like if I I I feel like like I said like obviously because there's a better film here probably. I need. To, I feel like I need to see the original cut of the film because i feel like i'm being unfair to a lot of people yeah i don't because when it comes to the cast i think everyone did a fine job um i really like vincent perez as the character as the lead character in this i thought he had a cool accent and i really appreciated that whoever they cast as ash's son they hired a kid that kind of emulated vincent's accent 
so that they would make fucking sense. Um, I thought he had a good look. Uh, his hair was kind of silly. His hair is it's like this kind of like it's so pretty. It's flipped out at the end. This is like yeah, too pretty. And then uh, he had like his vest was like this weird belly vest. Like sometimes his little bit of his belly was sticking out the bottom. Well, like, oh my god. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was costumes. It was weird. I liked his jacket though a lot. Uh, jacket's fine. Just that little belly. <laughs> Sleeveless vest. Get get it out of here. Jesus Christ. Oh, man, you're going to hate what I'm wearing to my wedding. Probably. I mean, it's going to be a little belly vest. I mean, that's okay. <laughs> I know what you're going uh, for. You're not trying to You're not trying to be a brooding badass <laughs> riding a motorcycle. Looking, all, look at me. I'm a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> they killed my son. Um, I like the personality of Ash a lot, uh, simply because he seemed to be batshit crazy, and I just thought that worked. I just didn't. I mean, that was my kind of complaint with the character. I just felt like it was all that. Uh, like, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I was getting... I and, know. again, and we're judging the movie as it is, but that's another thing where all of his quieter moments, we know now, were cut out. Yeah, like, like everything here is just like, well, in, uh, Draven was goofy in the first film. We gotta have that. So let's just do all just that. Do it's that. the Joker, basically. Just make him the Joker. Uh, uh, a weird thing to note as one of my likes, but I really liked the makeup in this. I liked that how it was like much cleaner. I, I don't know why that's like so far on my high on my list that I need to mention it, but I legitimately really liked the makeup of the crow in this movie. Well, yeah, because Sarah took the kid's uh, uh, finger paints and painted it on his face. It's super high quality, even though it's fucking. It wasn't. It wasn't a man in like undead rage. <laughs> so I mean, of course, it's gonna look. Really well, no, crazy. yeah, this is uh, this is another case of fucking cosplayers doing it when the originals can't fucking do it. Clearly. <laughs> it's just top quality. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I thought the villains were really fun, and I liked them a lot, except for Judah Earl. And I'll say that forever. Judah Earl is fucking piece, super shitty in this film. I don't like his character at all. He's a waste of space. I don't know why he's in this movie. But I liked Curve. I liked Nemo. I liked fucking Spider-Monkey. And I enjoyed uh, Kali. Uh, but a lot of the reason why I enjoy Kali is because I liked Tweet Trang a lot. She was my first crush. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she, yeah, she was fine. I wish that obviously, like uh, this entire review is just man. I wish we could see. The <laughs> I, I wish we saw the actual movie because <laughs> I feel I would love to see more of her. I, I like this. Game. She. I, I, I also enjoy that they made her as the woman the by far like most evil instead of trying yeah, to make she, she kept the like kid. other film. I feel like other films would make her uh, as we see even later in the Crow franchise would make the female the most likely to like have second thoughts or the most motherly or what have you. And instead, mm-hmm. nope, she was the one just like, hey, what are we going to do about this kid? Kill him. You got it. Bang. Fuck you. Yeah, she was, she was a villain just like everybody yeah, else. Yeah, and I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I know my my man, my positives aren't that light on the heavy on this. It's just like, I like the gang enough. I didn't like him as much as the first one, but that's his personal preference. I love Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop has a great look. He, his character of Curves is great. He's riding the motorcycle just trying to get away from Corvin, all this stuff. It's, I, it's I think some of the stuff that I like about this, one of the biggest things I like about the film is just how insane it is in a lot of places. I feel like there's a lot of things that are just cranked up to 11, but for me, it works. There's mm-hmm. things that are stupid and, like, are logically stupid, but I like fucking Ash being in the stripper bar saying, do you want me, baby? Stupid as shit, I loved it. You know, it's stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work. And that's me. fine. <laughs> like, there's when it comes to that stuff, there's going to be no arguing. Like, it's going to be like, I didn't like this. I liked this. Well, that's it. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, and I, I mean, I, for negatives, I mean, we've been kind of sprinkling them out. I cannot get over how much Judah Earl is just <laughs> terrible. And then his death is the worst. Take him! Like, what if... Oh, there's all his what if, CG crows, like, exploding out of out of Corvin onto Judah, and he just kind of, like, disappears. That would have been really awkward for Ash if then the birds just did nothing. Like, <laughs> like he just yelled and then just stood there with his eyes rolled in the back of his head and everyone just stared at him for a while. Yeah, and this film... Uh, oh, yeah, and so Judah has a blind seer lady who understands apparently immediately that you need to take the crow. Immediately, which at least she is a seer. Yeah, I guess there's, there's some... Unlike the later films! Um, this man, this universe is weird. <laughs> this is a weird universe. There's... Where's where's the Cyclops? When that when's that gonna There's, show up? Is, yeah. is, is Poseidon gonna like try to make Corvin not be able oh, to no. home to his family? Kratos is uh, a crow. That's why he's Clearly. white. <laughs> well, he's white because he's covered with the ashes of his he family. He painted murder. himself with his family. No, that's not that's not how that <laughs> happened at all, Steve. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, fuck Judah, seriously. Everything about him is terrible. Um, I'm glad that they were trying to do a, l- something neat with, like, the he takes the crow's power, so now he's supernatural, but it comes up so fucking short because so much of, you know, the fucking film was cut, so it just feels light. It feels like shit's missing. It's pointless. Yeah. It's it, anticlimactic. It's... This is also the beginning of the villains immediately knowing the crow is the weakness and, like, going from there to finding any... Pos- the, uh, the filmmakers finding any way possible make it as convenient as possible it's literally kryptonite yeah it's like it's immediately he has a crow with him well that must be the answer (laughs) well that's cool man you're assuming a lot (laughs) our plan involves killing the crow and then we can take him out and then hoping for the best best. we shot the crow he's still (laughs) killing us boss he's even more powerful now it seems like the crow was keeping his undead rage in check we we really guessed wrong on this boss egg is on our face Crow eggs. Crow egg is in our face. So, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about this piece of shit. No, it, I mean, it comes that... up short in a lot of places, and again, it's clear that it's butchered, but this is the film that we have, and because of that, it comes up short in a lot of places. There's stuff that's bad, uh, there's stuff that's stupid, um, and checklist, we got uh, fucking him looking like the crow for some reason. We got even weirder sex club. Yeah, this time it was like full on fetish club, uh, which is fine. You know, they went for something more different, uh, and uh, weird female sidekick to the villain that has something to do with eyes. Her thing to do with eyes, she cut out. She cut out her own to make her visions more powerful. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, star rating two out of five, and that's as an asterisk on it, only because I I don't hold the fact that there's it was cut to shit against it that much. I mean, it's like a 2 out of 5, but that's because of the garbage that happened to the film. Oh, I forgot on my list of positives. I actually really dug the fact that it was about a man and his son instead of a love story. I, I dug that a lot. I don't know why. I just thought it was cool that it was about a man and his kid instead of what all of the other films do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my star rating, honestly, even as butchered as it is and at, with the problems that it has, which I fully admit to, I still enjoy the film a lot. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. I would honestly rate this one three and a half. Fair enough. Okay, so we just... Okay, well, uh, let's hop in a helicopter. Uh, So let's get to the... uh, Man, where things are getting really strange. Uh, Stranger. Uh, The Crow Salvation. Uh, 2000, directed by 
Biharat Nahuri. Biharat Nahuri. I'm sorry, sir. Alex Corvus returns to this to the world of the living to solve the murder of a young woman that he has. Oh God, this is even so short. Alex Corvus returns to the world of the living to solve the murder of a young woman that he was wrongly accused of. Uh, this is gonna be a short one because it's a, it's a murder mystery about Alex Corvus. He gets fried at the beginning of the film. He gets put to death then... for the murder of his girlfriend, which he did not commit. And uh, he comes back to solve the murder. And honestly, I dig that. I feel like it falls apart as a script. But I genuinely do appreciate that they try to do something actually different with the story this time and try to kind of make it a whodunit. A little bit, but here's the problem. Uh, they introduce Fred Ward. <laughs> Out of nowhere, and it's pretty fucking and obvious. Like, well, I, well uh, let's dust off the hands. Got this one solved, guys. I'm going on I lunch. got it. I got it, guys. I'm good to go. This is um, see if Fred Ward had been there the whole film and actually seemed like a good guy in the first half, that actually would have been cool. Yes. Uh, instead, that wasn't the case. But we have an have amazing cast in this film. This the cast is except for Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, Fred Ward. I mean, every, everyone in the film except for Kirsten Dunst <laughs> is great. That's probably my biggest positive film. It's a great film. It's a film with great actors giving nothing to work. Nothing with. to work with. Uh, Script-wise. Alex Corvus gets electrocuted. His face falls off. And, oh man, look at me. I I got the crow crow makeup on my face. But it's burned in my face. And like I said, Bill's completely right when he says, oh, isn't that fucking convenient? I'm okay with it because, yes, it's super fucking convenient. It's the most convenient thing in the entire fucking franchise. But at least he didn't just decide to paint his face like Eric Draven for no goddamn reason. Like... Yeah, it, 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 sure, but it's still, it's still dumb. That's fine. I'm not arguing. It's I, agree, not... <laughs> I agree with your defense of it, but it's just like, fuck off. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, this, the opening. The opening is super shitty. There's, they just keep reshooting this footage of this bird bleeding for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> this keeps repeating it. Uh, Alex's film, I, don't, I can't care about him because he murders a lot of cops. Mm-hmm. Innocent people are just getting murdered. Constantly. I think there's a few points where it shows that, uh, I mean, he fucking murders who's in the helicopter and the cars and everything. But, like, uh, closer to the end of the film in the shootout, I feel the film at least tried to make it a point of, like, oh, he's letting go of the guns to give himself up to these cops and they shoot him anyway. Oh, they're also dirty pieces of shit, so that's why he murders them. I don't think, I think that's a bit much. That's how I took that scene. I agree that he murdered all those fucking cops on the helicopter. Yeah. But he, but yet yeah, yeah I, here's here's I I I um say it. I'm not I'm not saying what the cops do is right, but in their eyes, he is a cop murderer. He has killed several cops, and in their eyes as well, he's a convicted murderer who should be dead. So they're taking no chances. But still, at the same time, that there's a lot of cops. Those guys have families. How come their families? How come those cops don't come back to life to kill them? They didn't love. He didn't. They didn't love their families enough. That's probably I mean, that's a slight fallacy, I guess, in series, but sometimes it happens. Um. <laughs> Fred Ward is amazing. That's probably my biggest positive. Fred film. Ward's amazing. Fred Ward. um, William Atherton is barely in it, but is amazing. He gets out of the film real quick. <laughs> real quick. Um, Fred Ward has a hot secretary lady who immediately knows about the about the crow. Why? Powers. Why does she know anything about the crow? Because. Uh, uh, and also, she's into eyes. <laughs> oh shit! I want to go back one quick second. 
to Crow 2. One thing I hated was they have a little cage trap. They trap the crow. Good thing the crow landed in that perfect spot for the cage to trap And it. kept standing there for a while. <laughs> I, I, I want to... Sorry to go back for one second. I read, I wrote, read that, and I want to bring that up because I thought that was fucking stupid. <laughs> like, Christ. if the crow was standing slightly to the right, their plane fails. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, yeah, um... Let's just talk about the Crow Three. I mean, what's what's stuff that you liked? Fred Ward. Well, yeah, yeah I love the, the actors. actors like yeah, I love the actors. I don't mind uh, at all. Eric Mabius, he's fine. I just don't think the story, and like, I hate the shitty like flashbacks to his girlfriend. the flashbacks. Like, like, like I they, said, clearly, they clearly had her for one, one day. day. They had that actress for one day. Let's get all this today. Yeah, it's like, oh, they really loved each other. That's why this tracking shot kept spinning around them like for thirty minutes. Directed by cool. Real cool, thanks. Directed by people trying to emulate Michael Bay. Yeah, they're not doing. Good yeah, like this, like I said, an emulating like the people that made Battleship. Yeah, um, there. Oh, there's a magic life saving locket that <laughs> Dunst drops on him. He comes back to life magically. The rules of the crow are continually twisted <laughs> and make less and, and less sense in every film. He straight up flies in this movie. He jumps off a building, arms out with his team, goes like flies like fucking Christ <laughs> onto the top of Fred Ward's car. Right, and that's not even the worst example of the crow flying in the f- in the franchise. No, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to, to that. another one. But Jesus uh, Christ, fuck. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about things that I like in the film. Um, I like Eric Mabius a lot. I agree with you that I don't really care about Alex, but I like Mabius a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel that in, if he was given. You know, the script to uh, Crow 1, or even Crow 2, he would, like, blow everyone's socks off the water. I thought he did as best as he could, and I really liked him a lot, and I just feel really bad that this was the Crow he got to portray. Because uh, the dialogue in this film is horrible. Um, the way the, the yeah. pacing of the script goes is horrible. And like I said, I really like the idea of the story. I, I will say that time and time again, I like that they tried to go for a whodunit. I like the fact that there was even times where Alex was doubting that his memories were true. Uh, that he's just trying to figure, fucking figure out who did this and why. He has a lawyer that's also trying to help. Uh, he has living relatives of his girlfriend also trying to help. Like, I like that idea. It just didn't... It, who was writing it just could not deliver on the idea. I thought for a second I liked when Fred Ward was tricking him into thinking he murdered his girlfriend and he was in the wrong this entire time he made up the story. I'm like, oh man, this is an interesting twist they're going for. And it's like, oh, it's bullshit. I knew it was going to be. Well, he, why is he dead then? He should know better. He should know, that, like, this, like, supernatural elements turn off if you think you've gotten revenge. Oh, yes, actually. Uh, because the whole idea in the first film uh, was that he, Eric kept on losing his powers because he killed all of the people that killed him and his girlfriend. Well, that's fine, but he hadn't yet. In this film, those people were still. Alive. Oh no, I agree. Yeah, like the the other cops are still alive. Yeah, that fourth cop is still there. Yes. So cosmically, he should still have these powers, but he he just thinks he doesn't. I don't. Is this like Spider Man Two? Like he doesn't this, believe uh, himself. Super superpower impotence. Well, Kirsten Dunst is is in this. So whenever Kirsten Dunst is in a superhero movie, the superhero loses their powers because of how horrible she is. Yeah, they sewed her mouth shut. Like thank Christ, finally, five out of five. No, no uh, so, uh, yeah, I like that. I like the actors, like you said. Great cast. Uh, the teeth, I really like the teeth on that one cop. God damn, he looked like the mask. So that... <laughs> Woo! I knew who he was every time he showed up. Uh, and yeah, that was it. So let's get into the negatives. Uh, the soundtrack is shit. Soundtrack shit. Uh, it's kind of shop the, shit. The whole, shitty CG. This or's... movie clearly did not have the budget that it deserved. And I'm not saying that necessarily everything, the script still would have been bad, but at least it wouldn't have looked this bad. 
There's a comical helicopter. Collision. Oh my god! Uh, the hell? Why is there a helicopter chase joining this car chase? The cars are going like sixty miles an hour. That's it. No, they're going like ninety. Steve, that speedometer is getting pretty high. Jesus, sure they are. Even then, there's not a helicopter flying between buildings in a city to chase this one car on empty streets. Yep. And then it, and then it's flying over this exploding car, and then there's a terrible CGI explosion. Oh my god! Fred Ward's plan, I liked, like make him think his vengeance is complete. But the whole way that they do about that plan is having an obviously cut off arm just in the fire, laying there. How does anyone fall for that? Well, they did, and I like uh, how during the execution, some guys like. Unbuttoning his arm and showing his arm off to Alice's eye. I'm like, what if someone turned I, around? If anyone turned around, they would have been like, hey, guys! This, what is this? What's this? exactly what this guy described. <laughs> uh, Fred Ward's death sequence is the best part of this film. He's like, fuck you. That was his last words. You got any last words? Fuck you. He's like, I'll be back. I don't give a fuck you. You can't fucking do this to I, me. Like, like how even in death, he did not give a single Fred shit. Fred Ward's death is honestly my f- favorite death in the franchise. For badassness, that'd be a problem. <laughs> yeah, like, he just does not give a fuck. You're absolutely right. There's no pain. There's no, like, uh, moment of, like, oh, God, I'm going to die. Like, even Judah had that at the very end, you know? Uh, <laughs> not Fred Ward. He doesn't give a fuck. Nope. Uh, I think that's about it for me, though. Oh, uh, oh yeah, the stupid ratings. coat. Stupid, stupid coat. Oh, yeah, he has he still has a coat from a guy. It's, all it's a nice furry like, coat. What? If it was like. It's a crow pimp If coat. it was the detective trench coat, I thought that would have been cool because he would have had the long coat look but still been different. And it would have made sense because they're cops. Yeah. But no. no uh, cool. So, yeah, star ratings. Two. Uh, I also give this one a three and a half, uh, but mainly because of the cast, and I like Eric Mabius a lot. And I think I might like this film the best of the whole franchise, um, just on a personal level. Again, objectively, not as good as the the first one uh yeah I mean, it's the things like uh, yeah it's a two because it's a bad film but it also gets that two because i like the cast but i just don't like anything and else that's fine it. so let's take a stairway to heaven uh lord jesus it's a fire <laughs> uh the crow wicked the wicked wicked prayer uh right off the bat i'm gonna be up front this, this is on my list of probably the worst films i've ever seen <laughs> it is the, by far the worst film we've watched for this podcast <laughs> I will watch Ernest Goes to Africa every day of the week to not have to watch The Crow Wicked Prayer ever again. Oh boy, let's talk about this film. So this stars the very talented Edward Furlong. Okay, so The Crow Wicked Prayer 2005. On his way to becoming an immortal demon, gang leader Luke Cash, played by David Boreanaz, orchestrates the murder of Jimmy Cuervo, played by Edward Furlong, and his girlfriend Lily, played by... I don't have her first name here, so it's Chiqui. Chiqui. Chiqui? I'm sorry, Lily. Lily? I don't know. Last name. Lily, Lily is the character. Uh, yeah, this whoa is movie. Uh, first of all, can we talk about how his name is literally Jim Crow? Yeah. Uh, his name this is Jim film Crow. Is not subtle at all. Not subtle at all in what it's doing. Ah, uh, this film's weird and terrible and weird. So it's it's going to uh, Native American Crow stuff. Uh, the film is also produced by Fubu Films. Perfect. That's convenient. that is super convenient. Uh, the title, there's a lot of title card exposition that's terrible. There's like, uh, hey, there's some mine workers upset. Well, there's like five of them, and there's like five people protesting the mine. <laughs> that's that's cool. the whole town. Half of them work for the mine, half. Random dudes. A guy is standing in front of people pulling out a shotgun, and no one is noticing. I don't understand. The entire film makes no sense. The entire film falls apart. First of all, I don't understand the people protesting for the mine to stay open. 
It's being closed down for a casino to open up in its place, which will have more workers, jobs. The mine workers don't apparently think they're going to not get a job. I don't know. The mine workers are protesting the closure. But, like, it's being opened by their own village. They would get jobs. There's still jobs. There's going to be even more jobs. Well, hey, that's the least of this film. I agree, but that's, like, right off the fucking uh, bat. I'm yelling. Right off the bat, there's, like, four... There's, like, war, pestilence, uh, famine, and death. And angel. I mean, death. Death, yeah, for the angel. So this movie's a really weird episode. And the introductions are um, weird, like they get their names plastered. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, whoa, what is this? It's almost like they're trying to make a grindhouse exploitation film, but they are not doing nope. that. It's like there's tonal shifts all over the fucking place. The movie has whiplash. I need a chiropractor, Jesus Christ. Um, their cars are all painted cool. With um, their nicknames? Yeah. Us. Tara Reid apparently shoots at some random She's pains. the fifth uh, horseman menstruation. <laughs> She's the, like, the least well-known uh, horseman. Uh, not, uh, Miss not Like, I feel like if if Angel's going to become Lucifer, she should, she should be death. You know, like, they should be the full horseman with him being the leader. But he doesn't have a cool name or a cool car if his name's spray-painted That's on true. Come on, uh, Steve. Whatever. So every, my notes are so fever dream. Everyone just, hates Edward Furlong because he's Edward Furlong. Because apparently he, as you find out later in the film, he uh, killed somebody on accident. He, so everyone hates. Someone him. was trying to rape a girl and he accidentally killed them, so he went to prison. He's an engine murderer. Uh, I don't understand engine all killer. of that either, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he has this again oh i got a romance with this lady they get murdered so by a group of gang people with one lead guy with a chick with weird fetishes for eyes and then uh, some other dude but this time dudes, the eyes are for a spell oh, whoopie fuck um this film the, uh, I don't even know where to go. Um, Danny Trejo's in the film? David Boreanaz is always, is always wearing this shitty fucking shirt that looks oh, terrible. Oh, it's a terrible shirt. It looks like, looks like he's wearing a shirt two sizes small for him, because like where the buttons are, there's always these little little like vagina gaps, and seeing see his chest. He's got some shitty 666s six, six, on I, him. And they're the weirdest um, devil cult, to the point where when they have their devil cult party, they just have a whole... Devil-themed food! <laughs> Devil-themed food! <laughs> There's devil food cake. There's deviled eggs. I'm like, oh my gee, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I, at that point, I was like 100 confirmed that, that the people making this film did, did not, not care. give a fuck. Like, they did not care. <laughs> um, positives. Here's my one positive on the entire film: cowboy, <laughs> cowboy who's uh, who's pestilence. He is the only redeeming part. See, of this I have two. One is pestilence, and two is De- uh, Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper was when he first showed up, but then he kept doing things. I was like, okay, I, I you're overstaying your <laughs> Get out of here. At least Cowboy was around, did things that made me and laugh, then, acted like someone who actually has terminal cancer would act like, just not giving a shit, and then he yeah. died. And he and he was he was a fan of Cowboy films, and even though he's like this little tiny Asian dude, kept on doing this like Clint Eastwood voice, and it was honestly great. It was a character. He was a character. Uh, so... Uh, that's my positive. And then, yeah, Dennis Hopper shows up, speaks weird drive stuff, uh, tells Tara Reid to kiss it, bitch, which 
almost redeemed the film for me, but it was not enough to even save this sunk. I like. I enjoyed him calling Lucifer original gangster, and like that's the only reason why he wants to raise Lucifer up is because he's a gangster and respects other gangsters. They need they need him specifically to uh, Tara Reid and David Boreanaz need him specifically to carry out this ritual so he can, so David Boreanaz can become the Antichrist. Why him? I don't know. <laughs> M- Macy Gray's or whatever. Why is Macy Gray in this movie? She shows and she up, is terrible. I'm glad she's dead. Um, I, number one worst part of this film is Edward Furlong. I don't <laughs> often stop films from bursting out laughing, but I was I he he's to look all moody and angry and ugh, and I I I I'd laugh. I had to pause the film, take a screenshot, and send it to Steve because I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? This is ludicrous. Oh my god! Well, he uh, one time him and his girlfriend went to Ravenfest. That's convenient. And then he decided to paint his face like he did that one time. Yeah, with a sharpie, and then he walks out with like full white full face, white face black, makeup, so black, black lipstick. Like, oh man, he did a lot of work with one sharpie. Uh, he's really good. Uh, and then he he's walking around looking like a fucking uh, hot topic appearance <laughs> rack. It looks like a Halloween him. costume. It's like a fucking not to be, no, well, not to shit on Juggalos specifically, but he looks like a fucking Juggalo reject. Yeah, uh, he's down. He's down. And he's plan. so whiny, and he's a little bitch. He's the worst crow, too. He immediately runs into Boreanaz and the gang at this crow, raven fest where they're going to kill people. He, his, his, his raven, sorry, his crow immediately gets tomahawked. Immediately! He immediately fucks up. Immediately. <laughs> so, this fil- the film's already like 40 minutes in before he actually starts doing anything. Christ, this film is too fucking long. And, yeah, immediately, tomahawk. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm weakened. Like, you fucking dummy. <laughs> You're the worst at this. What are he you doing? He was the worst at his job. If the, if the movie was about a crow that was just really bad at his job and just played up as a joke, <laughs> I would have enjoyed it far more. No, this film is serious, and he's like a fucking superhero. He straight up flies. flies. Multiple times. He has super strength. He has ultra healing. He is Jesus. He heals bullet wounds. He is Jesus Christ. He actually heals. He brings a man back to life. <laughs> Why do you bring back those other All those other people life? that were there? Why did he do that? He saved a boy. Too bad all these other people got killed, but he could heal, apparently. But he's oh, like, fuck them. And then, I mean, like I said, this movie's a tapestry of awful. Uh, David Boreanaz becomes the Antichrist and is, turns up to 11 on the batshit crazy meter, but it's like, feels so goofy. Yeah, like, not, like, not a, good, like a good way. Haha. Yeah, and then Tara Reid cuts out Lily's eyes and kills her, and she doesn't die. Nope. She's, she's not killed in this film, she just gives up. She just... And given up to the police and arrested. Fuck you, movie. Yeah, Edward Furlong gets to walk the planet forever because he doesn't get his revenge, which means we have to deal with Edward Furlong as the crow forever. Well, apparently he dies. I guess you don't have to kill her to get revenge. He dies. He meets up with Lily in the end. He's, he's which is bullshit. On. That goes against the entire fucking fucking rules of all the other movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, she said, uh, "Welcome to this movie." Wic- yeah, I got a wicked prayer. Make this movie go go away. Tara Reid is awful in this. Jesus, her hair is horrendous. Everything is awful in this. Even David Boreanaz She's... is awful in this. And David Boreanaz is usually pretty good. There's some parts where I thought he might save this. And man, he was nope. not. He was not. I, I, Danny Trejo didn't save he, this. He... Dennis Hopper yeah, he... was Dennis Hopper. But like you said, nothing happened with him that mattered. And he over... No, Cowboy. Thank yeah, you, Cowboy. He was it. Fucking um, Yuji Okamoto. Yeah, thank you. You saved. You're the only thing that wasn't dog shit. You're the only uh, after he died, I felt like I should just turn it off because I'm like, well, this film's not going to do anything <laughs> after this. <laughs> just turn it off there. It's just like, well, that was a really short, short crow film, but man, what a great villain! 
I have nothing. I have nothing else to say. This movie's horseshit. Don't it, watch it. You have no reason to ever watch it. It's not a good bad film. It's just horrendous. It is bad. just bad bad. It is so bad. But you know what? It does. It does make you laugh. So maybe if you're really really drunk, and not for the good. Not for if it's like it's not worth it. There's so much like brooding and just wanting. Like there's the first thirty minutes of this him like waking up in his trailer. This is dog. I was scorpion. Go meet my girlfriend. It's Furlong not being a very good actor, being very dumpy. Oh yeah, and he's so dumpy. It's just like ugh, everything barf. about the film is terrible. Everything went to shit, and I don't know how this movie got so far and then got released. And they're just like, "Yep, okay, let's kick this out." It was just it was dimension just making a quick buck off the franchise. Yep. I got nothing else to say. Zero all out of right. five. Um, I thought it was all around the best crow film. Five out of five. Just kidding, Steve. I'm, I got a wicked prayer. I hope you fall on a fall on a guard. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. This I agree. This is another zero out of five. And which is well, the I have ninety nine minutes of pain. Ninety nine minutes of pain and <laughs> suffering. All for you. All at once. All at once. <laughs> no, yeah, this film is terrible. This is uh, like Bill said, there's there's only two films on this podcast that I've ever given a zero out of five. Ernest Goes to Africa is the other one, but you know what? I would rather watch Ernest Goes to Africa a hundred times. Then watch the crow. Boom! New bottom of the list. New worst. Film negative zero stars. <laughs> negative zero. Ooh, Jesus Christ! It's getting intense. Negative I zero. Zero. I don't know where to go with math jokes. I got nothing to say. But if you have any ideas about how to save this franchise, apparently they're going to try again and make another crow film in a couple years. I wish they just wouldn't. Um, you can email us at moviefilmsatbillandsteve at gmail dot com. Uh, you can find us on our Facebook, Movie Films of Bill and Steve, uh, iTunes, you know, look us up, Movie Films of Bill and Steve, Movie Films of Bill and Steve is where all the episodes are listed. And if you want to find me on Twitter, you want to get the more personable Lovable Bill experience, you can find me on Twitter at Lovable Bill. And you can always check out my films, facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms or www.silverspotlightfilms.com. Uh, we're shooting some more stuff with the survivors in the upcoming week, so hopefully there'll be some pictures and some news on that. So give the Facebook page a like and stay up to date. Sounds fantastic. And as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. Here, I got an impression for you. Call, call, bang, fuck, I'm dead! <laughs>